Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts. In 2001, Scott Sunderland found himself going from a 35-year-old athletic father, husband, and business owner to lying in a hospital bed, unable to move. Using visualization techniques over the course of a year, Scott was able to heal himself. However, old limiting beliefs, past traumas, and disempowerment mental habits came back to haunt him when in 2012, he watched his best friend drown in front of his eyes. Blaming himself, he was broken once again. Standing in a room on fire, Scott was faced with running through those flames to end up at the empowered life that he lives now. Today, he shows others how to run through their own flames to find freedom from their own minds and limitations in order to live a life of passion and purpose. Scott, welcome to the show. Larry, great to be here. Love it. Really happy to be here. It's, it's awesome that we finally, I think this is our third attempt. Third. Making, and yeah. it's, been, it's been months in the making, so this is going to be epic that we finally yeah. get to share uh, this time together, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. You know, it, it, your story interests me quite a bit, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, uh, most, if not all of my listeners, other than maybe some new listeners here now, uh, know that as of eight years ago, I was an alcoholic, and I went into rehab eight years ago. November 13th was the actual anniversary for eight years. Of, mm. of just So it's been just a couple of weeks. But after coming out of rehab, uh, and it was for alcohol, I had done so much damage to my body overall that I found myself unable to move. Mm -hmm. I walked with a cane when mm -hmm. I could walk. I was on tons of medication because the pain, people go, what hurts? And I, everything from my, the, the joint in my pinky toe, I think there's a joint in your pinky toe, from the joint in my mm -hmm. pinky toe all the way to the joint in my thumb and every joint mm. in between was literally just on fire all fire. the time. And I did this forever. I couldn't move. I couldn't function. It was, it was the worst thing. And to double that because of my previous addiction, certain pain doctors that I went to thought I was just coming there for drugs. And I'm like, guys, no, I'm really looking. I, I left multiple mm -hmm. doctor's offices literally in tears because of the way they treated me, because they figured I was just a junkie there running a scam, trying to get some oxy or something. And that wasn't mm. the case. So I'm, I, I can relate to where you were there. And I'm curious to hear more about how you overcame your somewhat similar situation. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's definitely interesting. You know, you, you talking about that, it is, it is the, the awakening, I guess, you know, you went through yours, I went through mine. Basically, how it all started for me was I was, um, I owned a construction company did back then still do and just was working out of control, scared to death. Everybody was going to fire me. And you know, uh, I couldn't, my, my projects were behind and I had deadlines. I was afraid that people weren't going to pay me. I was away from home on the road and I kept thinking, you know, I just really want to go home and I want to go to bed. I just want all this to go away. I am just so stressed out that I am, 
I am disappointing everyone. And three months later, there I was laying in the hospital bed and I thought, oh my God, I asked for this. It, this is you, dude. You, you did this. So we have a choice. We, we can, you know, we can go down the road to think I'm never going to walk again. I'll never, you know, I'll never get out of this bed or we can recreate, you know, the, you know, the, it's like the old Steve Austin. Remember the million dollar man? We of can, course. we can rebuild him. <laughs> we can rebuild him. And that's truly just the, that's the kind of the line I took, you know, it was just, okay. So here's the challenge. Let's, let's do better. Let, let's rebuild. Let's, and I really did that. I mean, literally rebuilt myself, you know, like you said, through visual, you know, visualization and, and really my thought process. And I believe that I was so into, you know, all the teachers, whether it's Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Wayne Dyer, you name it of we create our reality. And I thought, okay, well, here you go. Let, let's see what we, you know, we can create. And it, it was amazing to me watching, you know, the journey in, in, as the first person of, yeah, learning to walk again, all of it, learning to talk again, just the simplest things that we would take for granted. And I would watch people coming in and out of my room and think, what is it that I was once connected to that that switch has been turned off? Right. Whatever that was is gone now. It abandoned me and I got to find it again. I got to, I got to, I got to get it back. And that's really where it all was for me is really understanding that I am bigger than this guy, Scott. What was it really just, was it an overnight type of scenario yeah. or did you find yourself spiraling and no. finally ending up in a spot? Nope. Three days. I went from completely fine. Actually, I was building my shop, putting a big addition on my shop. And I just started to feel it come on. My, my, my lips started to go numb. My uh, feet started to get numb. I started to get dizzy. And literally in, in two days, I was in a bed and could not get out of it. And it, it was just that quick. And that's why you know, at first they thought, okay, well, they would come in and out of my room, the, these, you know, neurologists. So were you in the hospital at this time? Oh, yeah, I went to, oh, yeah, I got rushed to the hospital. Okay. Uh, no idea what it was. None, none. And, you know, this neurologist kept coming in and out of the room and kept looking at me. And, and I finally, I'm like, listen, dude, I, I'm right here. You, you got to tell me what's going on here. I, you walk running in and out of this room doesn't help me much. Sure. And he said, I think this is a, I just think this is a really fast form of MS. And I said, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to live that life. I had a, a really close friend who, who suffered from it and I didn't want to live that. And then, uh, he said, I can't, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you here. So you got to go. And I ended up in Jefferson and Philadelphia and they told me what I had. I had an autoimmune disease, a very rare one. And, uh, you know, that this doctor who was, you know, I, I swear she was so young and, and she said, we treat that like the cold here and you'll walk out of here. And those words I just kept repeating in my head, I'm going to walk out of here. And it wasn't, I thought it would be, you know, a couple of days to a week. It wasn't, but I just kept really thinking that like, no, this is your hero's story, man. You're, you're going to come back from this. You're going to be bigger, better, stronger. Sure. And I really did use it as kind of a launch pad 
for everything in my life, everything in my life completely changed it. So what are some of the things you did to, to combat it while you were there? And, and did most of your symptoms, were they relieved before you left the hospital? Or tell us more about that. How, how did you uh, well, go I about think, treating this I thing? Think, well, the, the biggest part is, and, you know, I did a, a, a YouTube video that it really kind of shows the journey of me. I, I had this board of pictures. Okay. And my wife at the time had put this collage of pictures up and in the corner there was one of me that was literally taken, you know, months before. And I was standing uh, skiing at the top of uh, a mountain in Utah. And I would just stare at that picture day in, day out. I didn't have nothing to do. So I would, <laughs> I would just sit there and watch and look at that picture. And then I couldn't even close my eyes. My eyes would roll up into my head and I would close my eyes, so to speak. And I would picture the picture. And I would build it and I would put myself there. I, and I got really good at creating that scene of being on that mountain. And I realized I was just re-imprinting my brain of this is what I want. If I did it to get here, I can do it to get out of here. Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's really what I did. I just didn't, I knew I was going to walk out. I didn't walk out. You know, I, I was in a wheelchair still, but you know, I eventually got back to a hundred percent, no residuals at all, which is really kind of unheard of for it. And I knew that I, I did it. So that kind of was the launch pad for the rest of everything. You know, it's like, man, I can create this stuff. So, and now, you know, with quantum physics and neurologists and, you know, scientists that are really explaining what the brain does then that's when I realized, oh my God, this is what I did. And so I can keep going and I just, I can dictate my life instead of telling myself what I can't do. Maybe I need to start telling myself what I can do. So how do you, how do you do How would you recreate those steps? I would just really see myself as, as a skier again. I really would just keep it so simple. I would see myself dancing again. Uh, they used to lay me down in the rehab room. They would lay me down on these mats and it was like a table and they would, uh, I bought a, uh, you know, like a little boom box and they brought and brought it in and they would play music. And I remember they would play, uh, I don't know. I can't believe I remember this, but Leanne Womack, I think it was dance that song. Okay. And I would listen to that song over and over and over and over and over again. And, and they would, everybody would be so tired of it. And I'm really like, just keep playing it. And I would just close my eyes and, and, and see the story of my life, you know, of being on that mountain and just walking and talking to people and telling them, listen, you can do this. I've done this. You know, you can, you can create this life. I know I've been laying there. I've been broken and I am your proof that it is possible you can do this. I really saw my whole future and I just, I really visualized it. And it is the imprinting of the brain. It is what you feed it. And when people start thinking about what they feed their brain every day, the thoughts and emotions that you're addicted to from childhood and you take it into your life, you know, suddenly you're, you're just in fear constantly of who's going to come and get you. What are you going to catch? Is cancer on the horizon? What's going to happen to me? And how am I going to survive this stuff? Meanwhile, you have a clean bill of health. I, I, I know people that are scared 
to get something. They don't even have it and they're scared to get it. And I'm like, no, you don't want to do that because that's just putting the attention on what's going to show up for you. So it's, it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecies. Is that? Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, with, with, with science today and understanding how, what the mind does, what's the job of the mind is just to get the body to feel right. Mind and body connection. Sure. So for me, having that thought of, oh my God, how do I get out of this situation? I got these people screaming at me. I'm a people pleaser. So that does not go well. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I'm working 18 hours a day. And um, I'm coming from a place of reaction instead of, you know, just going out and getting the ball. I'm trying to catch up to the ball. So that put me in a state of, of fear. These guys aren't going to pay me. They're not going to do How can I get out of this? Right. You know, I just want to go home and go lay in bed. And then, boom, all of a sudden, I'm laying in bed. And then everybody starts feeling sorry for me. And then I'm getting paid. I don't have to worry about the company right then because, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have to get on the phone and explain myself to anybody because, again, I can't do that. So they'll have to feel sorry for me. So it all worked. It all worked, just not in the way I wanted it to work. You know, I asked for it. I just asked for it in the wrong way. And, you know, in doing what I do now and talking to people, that story has been repeated so many different times in people's stories in their lives. I was faced with this thing. I was scared to death. All I could think of is how do I get out of this? And next thing I know, I was diagnosed with MS or I was diagnosed with cancer or I was diagnosed... And so what is that? Are we creating this stuff? Are we really creating the conditions that we suffer from? And I'm a huge proponent that we actually do because our mind is just simply that powerful. Well, I think right now we're under so many influences that are are telling us that we're going to get sick. Uh, It's definitely the conversation at every, uh, here we are just after Thanksgiving. I'm sure it was a conversation at every Thanksgiving table here in America. And it can be difficult to to overcome the the negative inputs that we have literally from every angle. I mean, fear is is the commodity these days. That's what's used to sell everything. So mm-hmm. it, it, when you find yourself in that environment, what are some actionable steps you can take to reframe this this input that's coming at us from from all of these different angles? Well, I think the first thing is to really be aware of how, you know, how the mind works. So really what is happening when you look out of your eyes, you know, with your eyes, you're looking out into everything that is out there to see. Your mind is seeing 100% of it, but when that vision, when it comes back into your mind to be processed, you you are only processing a very small percentage of what you see. So what are you processing? Well, if you keep thinking, you know, red fire truck, then there out there could be a red fire truck, could be a school, could be a, you know, a blue car. You're going to see right away the red fire truck because you've been programming your brain, red fire truck. So that's what you're going to take in. So think about what, as you know, young kids, uh, you know, science has found out that our first seven years, our brain is in theta, which is a sponge. Mm -hmm. We are a sponge for everything around us. And, your, your parents took in that information from their parents. They did the same from their parents. So this is generational stuff that is just being looped in our mind. And 
here you are, you know, you're just a little kid hiding under the blankets because your mom and dad are screaming at each other and your name keeps coming up. And then suddenly you're 45, 49 years old and you're still that little kid under the blankets. You just don't know. And fear rules your life. And it's just more events have to come so you can see the fear, just like the red fire truck. You can see the fear. So when we start to understand, wait a minute, I have a choice. I have a choice and I can see, I can see the thing, the event that is coming that is making me see fear, feel fear because, Hey man, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. Car's going to get repossessed or, you know, I have, I'm going to get cancer. Uh, I was just diagnosed with this, or now there's this new thing called COVID that I'm going to catch that I have to cover myself in, in a spacesuit So I don't get, it is that actual thinking and fear that allows us to gravitate to that outcome. So during this whole COVID thing, it was crazy. I live in Florida. I don't pay any attention to news. I don't pay any attention to any of it at all. I was out on a boat during lockdown. I was, I was cruising around on a boat. I had the time of my life where, you know, my friends were so nervous and, and guys that worked for me so scared. And I would say, don't do that because you're calling it, you're calling it. It's like calling a dog. And if it's a good dog, it's going to come. And people that were so afraid to get it, got it. And it's really interesting to see how that all works, knowing what I know now and how all that stuff starts to show up for you. So maybe we need to start looking at it differently and start understanding And I think the number one thing that you can do is really start to understand how the mind works in a very simple way. What you think of, law of attraction, right? What you think of shows up and it's showing up for you. So if we can just be aware that what I put my thought on is coming, my mind is going to want to grab the fear thing. My mind is going to want to see the red fire truck, but I need to, I need to be able to be aware and in the moment, in, in that present moment to say, There is nothing here right now that I need to run from. I am not a gazelle on the plains of Africa, and I am not surrounded by lions right now. But yet we are built to, you know, we're we're fight or flight. So when we are living every day on the savannah as a gazelle thinking, oh, my God, I'm being surrounded by lions everywhere. Meanwhile, there's not a lion to be found anywhere but we're waiting for them to come. You know, they're waiting for them to come and, and literally eat us when it's just not the truth. And we're, we're stuck in that fight or flight, absolutely stuck in it because we're always subjecting ourselves. Are there exercises that people can implement to help them get out of that, that fight or flight or hundred percent? Could you share some of those with us? Then the number one thing is meditation. So there's two, these are the two I've used and, Meditation is one because what meditation does is it slows the brain down. It relaxes the brain. So it's not constantly being flinching. It's not constant. Your brain and and, and body aren't constantly being in, in like that flinch mode of what's coming next to hit me. So when you meditate, you slow the thought process down. You're not going to turn it off. You're not going to turn it off. And it's okay. You're slowing it down. Help me understand meditation a little bit more. Because, I mean, so many times we hear meditation 
I say we, I can only speak for me, but I hear meditation and I'm instantly just thinking, sitting there cross-legged and I don't know so much the ohm anymore, but yeah, you know, you got, you're touching the fort, the the middle finger and the thumb and you're just sitting there and you're, you're, you're doing your chant or whatever it is. People are are coming to me all the, I, I literally hear people not every day, but at least multiple times a week going, dude, why don't you meditate? Meditation is great. Mm -hmm. Meditation is great. Why don't you meditate? Well, I feel like an idiot sitting sitting there trying to do this meditation. So help me help me understand what do you do when you meditate or what are some ways that people can maybe even reframe meditation? Sure, for sure. So meditation, I mean, listen, I have a, a, a really good friend of mine. He'll say, you know what my meditation is? I love to sit in a deer stand and go hunting. That's my meditation. Okay. Uh, surfers, they're meditating. So it doesn't mean that you're just sitting, you know, there's Larry, uh, look at him. He's sitting in his chair. He's got his, you know, his legs tied in a pretzel and he's, you know, he's crazy. That's not it at all. It's just about being in the very present moment. And I mean, like right here, right now, you're not thinking about, oh my God, my, you know, I got to get my car fixed. It's not here right now you know, I'm probably going to get fired from my job because of this project that's due next month. It's not here right now. So you just got to get in the very present moment, slow down the mind. That's all meditation is, is slowing the mind down. The mind kind of runs like that. You know, when you were a little kid and you're in the schoolyard and you got on that little merry-go-round, you know, the little thing Oh yeah. and, and your buddies just spun it so bad you could bear it you couldn't get off it Many you couldn't you stay on it <laughs> right a lot of times you flew off with body parts flying everywhere yeah, that's yeah. what your mind is doing you have spun that merry-go-round for so many years it is now spinning out of control it's it's gaining momentum and nobody's pushing it so you can't get out to slow it down so the object is to just sit there and you can listen to music you don't have to listen to music you can just sit there and just just be present in the moment and let the thoughts pass through, you know, let it go. You can look at it, but let the thought go through. And eventually over time, then you start to have less thoughts, less and less thoughts. The best way, the best way is, and this is the next step is breath work. Now what your breath can do is it can heal your body no question about it. It is the ultimate way to heal your body. It is the ultimate way to get out of fight or flight. Now, my wife is a summer breath uh, facilitator and she's amazing at it. What kind of breath? I'm sorry. What was that? She's a, it's a Soma. It's called Soma, Soma breath. And it, and it's like an ancient, you know, technique. And this is what people used, you know, like Aborigines used, you know, way, way, way back in a time because they learned that through their breath, they could calm their body down. They could calm their mind down. So it helps you get out of that state of fight or flight. It helps you relax when you're the gazelle on the, on the Savannah, you realize, you know, Oh, see, I'm stuck in this fight or flight because I think I'm seeing lines out there when actually the breath work helps you calm down to help you see, listen, there's nothing out there. You are been, you have just been stuck in this fight or flight. So by doing breath work, it helps you energize your body. And why is that important? Larry, you could take like a stagnant pond and the inlet to that pond, the water that comes in is blocked off. 
Mm-hmm. And the outlet is blocked off. So over a year of water sitting in that pond, it is going to become stagnant. You know, sure. fungus growing all over it. No one's going to want to go swimming in it. So what breathwork basically is, is releasing the gate above the pond to let all fresh water come in. And that fresh water can run through that pond and clean it out. That's what breathwork does. And it's, it's the same as meditation, except you're actually doing something in the meditation. You're breathing in, you're breathing out, you're taking deep breaths. You know, there has been so many studies on breath work. It is insane. And why it's not even taught in schools is, is amazing to me because it is the number one thing to get out of depression, anxiety, and even heal your body. Yeah, I mean, any high-performance athlete understands the, the the benefits of proper breathing technique. Everything mm-hmm. you do revolves around proper breathing technique. And it, it, it's kind of interesting that we see high-performers emphasize breathing and breathing properly, but just for our day-to-day health, it's never emphasized. It's never even discussed. Never. It's just nope. It's just that auto... It's that, that auto action that we do to stay alive, obviously, but many of us don't do it right. Right. And I mean, most of us don't even breathe right. I mean, we don't, we, we take very shallow breaths. Yeah. And when you think about it, it doesn't, it doesn't allow energy to enter your body. So really your breath is, is energy. It's flow. And if you have a switch and you turn the light switch off, no energy's getting through. Well, no lights going on. So it really is the same principle. And in understanding that and actually doing a practice of it, it's amazing. I mean, I have a course called the Healing Blueprint, and I have people that have are very ha- have a high anxiety that come into that course. And sure. just a simple thing of, okay, this is what you're going to start every day. You're going to start doing a breathwork routine, and we're going to change it up, and we want you to do different levels. And just by that, they're like, oh, my God. I mean, in three weeks, I feel like a different person. And when I'm not in the anxiety, now I can start to see things clearer. It's not the anxiety that I'm stuck in. I'm not stuck in this stagnant pond anymore. I can kind of see now what is actually happening. And what I've been putting my attention on really has never been there. It's the fear that I've been putting my attention on where I just realized I don't have to be in the fear anymore. I just don't put my attention there. And that really is the win. And it is the building block. You know, it's like climbing a ladder out of a, out of a, you know, a 40 foot deep hole. You don't do it in one step, it, it, it takes, there's a lot of rungs on that ladder to get out of that hole and you just have to stay on the ladder. That's all. And you fall down, but you get back on the ladder again and you get up and out. And that, that's really how it works. It's, it's really simple. The, the third thing I will share yeah. is don't say stupid shit. Just don't <laughs> say dumb stuff. Don't say dumb stuff. People say dumb stuff constantly. I, I know I'm guilty, but give me some examples of dumb stuff that people say. Oh, my God. I mean, anything with their job or their boss or, you know, well, how you doing? If somebody comes up and says, how you doing? Oh, yeah, well, my back hurts and everything. All the complaints come or, yeah, my wife, she, you know, she's doing this and, you know, that, that's not good. Just saying dumb stuff is really it's just self-talk. You're just talking the mind into grabbing on what you don't want. We saying dumb stuff is just really repeating stuff that you don't want. You don't want that stuff. You don't yeah. want it. You want to be yeah. able to be, you, you are, you are a, 
a pretty supernatural being when you think about it, because like I said, when I was laying in that bed, I would watch people walk in and they would use their hands. They would walk across the floor and I'd be thinking they're not even thinking about it. They are doing that so unconsciously. So what is that that I am now disconnected from? Because I had it. Now I lost it. Right. It wasn't Scott. Scott was there thinking he was laying in the bed. He was going to town in his thoughts, but there was, there is this, you know, you're laying in bed every night, Larry, and you're in your heart's beating, your brain's firing. There is cells, you know, being regenerated trillions of them. And they're all talking to each other. Meanwhile, you're snoring slobber coming out of your mouth. Right. And we are totally unaware of what we're actually doing. And when we start to really understand what the mind and the body are doing on a second to second basis, then you're thinking, holy cow, I'm doing that. Well, maybe I can get a better job. Maybe I can do, you know, maybe I can have money show up out of nowhere because I'm putting all my attention on what I don't want. Maybe I should put my attention on what I really want. Instead of being scared of getting COVID, maybe I should really think of what kind of new car I would like. Yeah, it's it's all in framing it, man. It's it's framing that mentality. Now, that's not to say that you can't that, that that reality still exists. It does still exist, but it's framing that reality for the best possible outcome. Taking the steps that I took, even just this year, you know, I left my job in January, did podcast, started doing podcasting full time, and launching branded podcasts as well through my media company, and. I'll tell you, physically, I've never, oh, I say never, I haven't been better in decades. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It has been mm-hmm. a long, long time since this person that I am, as I sit mm-hmm. here today, has been able to be fulfilling. Has mm-hmm. been, I've been able to be this person because I was in a bad environment. I was constantly bombarded with negativity. Now, some of that was through my own creation. <laughs> There's no denying that, you know, as I mentioned. You know, I put myself in rehab before then I was a drunk and Mm -hmm. this is still at the same company. I was with that company 21 years. They supported the living daylights out of me. They were tremendous. They were great, but I didn't return some of that greatness that they were giving to me. And it eventually catches up to you. It puts you in a position to where it's not fruitful for anybody. And there was no coming out of that hole. There was no digging myself out of that hole. So I could either stay there, stay in misery, stay in that, just that muck, or I could take the action, reframe my reality and step out and make the changes. Since doing that, I'm down 80 pounds year to date. I'm more physical than I have been. I'm getting back involved in the martial arts scene. I mean, mm. it's just everything is coming together where it's, it's, it's the way it should have been in the first place before I took so many wrong turns and found myself laid up in a bed, unable to move as well. Well, here, here, so here's the question for you. And this is what we do, right? Oh, oh, you know, there's Larry. He's got himself in a really bad way. You know, he's a drunk and he's, you know, he's an alcoholic. He's going to kill himself. And well, he's got to get to rehab and thank God he did that. And we always think that the, all the diseases that come, the situations that come, And, you know, here you are, this alcoholic, and if it wasn't for that, you would not be doing what you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, thousand percent. So then we can say that that really put you on the trajectory of your life, your worst moment. And this is what I'm all about. Your worst moment is really your greatest moment. Yeah. It's just in the way you perceive it. 
And when we start to understand, you know, I, again, people that have got cancer scares or whatever, had cancer, and they would say, oh my God, I need to fix this. They didn't end up healing the cancer. They ended up healing themselves. And it wasn't the cancer. The cancer got them to the table, got them on the field. Alcoholism got you on the field. Me being paralyzed and catching this autoimmune disease got me on the field. It got me on the field that I could then be great. I can then say, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. This is what I have to do. And I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be really happy doing it. And you took that moment and you said, that's enough. And I'm going to step in the ring here and I'm going to become better because of it. And, and all along you had to make some really difficult decisions. Do I stay in this job that I don't like, or why would I do that? Why would I do that? I was at their store, so I'm not going to do that again. So, that made you reach. That made you say, okay, but that is what we all need to do. We forget. We need to reach. We need to go through rooms on fire to find out what is waiting for us. Because if you don't, you will never find what's there. So thank God for the alcohol, honestly, yeah, yeah. because it literally got you where you are. 100%. And, and people don't realize that. You know, I'm a big believer in the fact that there's no growth without pain. There's yep. just not. There, there's stagnation. And there's existence per se, but there's no growth without that pain. And it's, it's very similar to, to your statement of, of going through the fire. It's, it's the same scenario, just again, stated differently. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. And, and the things that we're going through today definitely don't have to, as my intro says, it doesn't have to define us. You know, being an alcoholic eight years ago doesn't define me. And, you know, I'm one of those strange cats where I, I don't believe that I'm an alcoholic today because I'm not. I haven't mm-hmm. had a drink in eight years. I'm mm-hmm. not an alcoholic. I was, but that's gone. It's, it that's, doesn't mm-hmm. define me. Now, it shaped me because it put me here mm-hmm. having this conversation with you today. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. But that's, that's the reframing. That's the work that people need to put in in order to get themselves out of the situations that they're in today, reframe that and move forward. Yep. And that's the thing, you know, it really is, again, you know, embracing what is wrong, so to speak, the condition or, you know, the addiction and to say, okay, man, you know, here you are, you you know, you're broadcasting and you're telling that story to so many people. And there are people that are suffering from the same condition that you suffered from. And here now you are the example to say, hey, listen, I did it. You can do it. And my life is so much better because I did it. So it really comes down to the, to the individual. You have a choice because whatever you are suffering from, someone has suffered from it. Someone has had to move through it. There are others that are still laying in bed or not even here at all because they didn't. And maybe again, you just have to decide, am I here to be just to let life beat me up and to take me out? Or am I here to be great? I I got this one. So I might as well give everything I got. And sometimes it has to get so bad that again, you know, the room on fire, is it a little fire in a trash can in the corner? Or are you literally going to succumb to flames? Yeah. And they're right there in front of you. And the only way out is to go through them. And you don't know what's on the other side, but when you have people that have actually done it, that have gone down the road and they have said, you know, this is, you know, this is what is available to you. Then 
that is in the, in the, in the motion that we have to move. There's plenty of doctors that are going to tell you, listen, you're never going to walk again, you know? And, and thank God I didn't have that doctor. Yeah. You know, the doctor just kept saying, Hey, listen, get up. You just got to get up. And then at the end, you know, when I was leaving the hospital, I said, okay, so where was I? One to 10, you know, 10 being the worst, you were an eight and a half. And I was not expecting that. I didn't think I was that bad. And I said, what happens to a nine? They never get out of bed, dude. But I knew you could do it. And it was just, I could have got the diagnosis of you have this and you'll never walk again. And I could have fallen right into a guy standing in front of me saying, you know, predicting my fate. Just accept it. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, it's using the power in which you have the story in which you have to launch yourself into something greater, better. So you can be greater, better. Yeah. And it, it's that way for everybody. It, it does, you don't have to have a podcast. You don't want to, have no. to be a podcast guest. You don't, you don't need all of that to move forward and be better in your own life. You don't have to have any kind of miraculous story. You don't have to have any kind of miraculous no. inspiration. You just have to be able to make the decision. And that's something that each and every person can do. I promise you, the day that I had that revelation that tomorrow wasn't going to come, I had that moment of clarity. That was the decision. It mm-hmm. came to me as I sat on the couch that is still in my living room to this day. It's, it's still mm. there. I sat right there on the end of that couch, tore up from the floor up, hadn't had any real food mm. in a couple of weeks. And the time came for the decision to be made. And it wasn't an audible voice, obviously. There were, the clouds mm-hmm. didn't part and the roof rip mm-hmm. off the house and someone say, Larry, tomorrow's not going to mm-hmm. come if you don't get help today. But that voice, those words came to me in my head in a moment of clarity, and I had the opportunity to make that decision. And either I go get me another shot right now and I pass out mm-hmm. and don't wake up, or I get on the phone and I get the help I need and I move forward. And thankfully, I made the right decision. But you don't have to be anybody special to make that happen. It can happen for anybody and everybody out there. It's the decision in which we make, and you made the decision. Yeah, and you and I think I think there's a. It is kind of an epidemic in this in in our world today is addiction. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, prescription drugs, huge. Obviously, we all know that. Yeah. Because I just think people just don't fit anymore. They just don't. They they just aren't there anymore. It's just like seriously, this is this is what I uh, I'm left with here. And again, it's stepping in and saying, you know, there there's more. There's more out there. You just haven't been seeing it. You you're. It's the focus on the red truck, on the red fire truck. And it just keeps showing up yeah. because we are just creatures of habit. We are creatures of habit. And, and we're easily programmed, man. We're easily programmed to victimhood. We are. We are. Programmed. And when you hang out with all the people that are victims, then they don't want to see you get better. No. Because then that means that you got to get better. They got to get better if you got better. Right. If you step through the fire, that means they got to step through the fire. It's a hell of a lot easier if you're both sitting on the same side of the fire saying, are you going? I'm not. I'm not going there. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> so you have, you have to, it is owning who you are. And if you're going to let people's thoughts and judgments dictate your life, then you are going down the way wrong road. It needs to be about you. You need to be the example. There are people out there that have whatever you suffer from, there are people out there that have healed themselves from it. Those are the people you need to associate with. 
You need to find out what they did. Listen, you don't want to hang out with your neighbor whose house is in foreclosure and he is jobless, doesn't have a dime to his name. You want to go to the next street over where the guy's over there. He's a millionaire. He's got really nice cars and he's making a lot of money doing something that he loves to do. You want to hang with that guy. Yeah. Find out how you can do it too. <laughs> yeah. I, let me let some of that rub off yeah, on me yeah. so I can step into the game here, you know? But again, it's a decision. It all starts with a step. It just has to be the right one. Well, I think the first step is listening to this episode of You're the Boss because, Scott, you're the boss. And I appreciate you bringing it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tell me more about the Healing Blueprint and where can people find more information about it and reach out to you? Sure. They can find out all the information on my website. That'll be in the show notes. It's www.thefreedomproject222.com. And it is basically what I do is I take people that are, they want more. It doesn't matter really. It, it, healing is the whole gamut. I don't have enough money. I want to heal that. I have cancer. I want to heal that. How do I do it? It's really the same work. It's the same thing. It's just about surrounding yourself with the right people that are all doing the same thing that you're doing. It's, I call it, you know, stepping on the field instead of sitting up in the cheap seats, you know, saying, oh, it'll never work for you. It's when you get on the field and you actually say this has to. And no matter what, whatever the condition is, whether it's just like you said, addiction, it, there's a reason for it. And if we, can, if we can look at everything in a different way, we can put a new perspective on what is happening and use it to fuel us instead of empty us because that's what you did. That's what I did. Yeah. And I had to fuel myself up. You had to fuel yourself up. And what was it? As you said, it was the pain in which you were in. So that pain can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be emotional. So it's just about using the pain that you're in to launch you into the life that you have always dreamed of, but never thought possible. And that is what I am all about. Helping people, helping them, helping them understand that, listen, this is science. Here, I'm going to lay it out for you. Over weeks and weeks and weeks, I'm going to lay out why you are, you're just creating yourself. And then once you understand that, then it's in the actual putting it all together. It's like building a house. It starts with a foundation. And then the next thing you know, you're looking out beautiful windows and, and where you want to be with who you want to be with. It's just how it works. Good stuff. Well, Scott, man, I'm so glad we finally got to do yes, this. Me too. Uh, honestly, this is, this is great. It was, uh, it was well worth the wait. Thank you. And I appreciate every minute. I would that, agree. Man. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate having me on, man. Most definitely. Most definitely. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. And if you like what you heard, this is the first time listening. Do me a favor, subscribe to the show so I can bring you fresh new content every Tuesday of the week. And until then, I'll see you. Take care. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember... You're the boss.